buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 38. Today we're going to chat with Mike Iceland from the Reloading Podcast. We're going to make a prank call about coolers and talk about the gun box. Today's panel is Sean Heron and I'm Ava Flanell. Oh, uh, hey guys. Hey, I'm Sean. What's going on, everyone? You are the biggest idiot I've ever met. Uh, excuse me, Ava. Can you just not be so mean to me? Uh, <laughs> I got, I'm really, you know, I'm really sensitive and... Uh... Holy shit, it's like there's two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. How's it going? Yeah, whatever. It's not that great. It's awesome. I'm having a great day. <laughs> Mike, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Good. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey. Before we get started. Oh, oh yeah. Before we get started, let's talk about our friends over at Manicore Arms. <laughs> Sean, what can you tell us about Manicore Arms? Uh, am I pretending to be you right now? No, just cut it you don't even you're not doing a good job oh. you're ruining everything just tell because us about- i'd be like oh honey let me tell you i don't know anything about it oh is that how you really feel <laughs> uh, is that how you what next you're gonna call me a gun bunny oh god no okay just say why okay. don't you just talk about our friends all right so manicore arms uh the thing i wanted to talk about today is the afterburner linear compensator so i know a lot of us like Right now, the trend is really to get the short barrel and the long handguard and kind of recess the barrel just a little bit in the handguard. And obviously, that can cause problems if you have some kind of break on there that all that outward pressure inside the handguard can cause catastrophic failures and things like that. Or if you just have a really short barrel and you want to kind of redirect that blast away from you and kind of keep it, you know, downrange instead of blowing everyone's eardrums nearby, this linear compensator is just basically like a tube. It screws on the half by 28 threads. And just kind of, it's a blast diverter, basically. But Manicore went one step further, and they've actually got two tips that you can screw on. So one of them is a flash hider, and one of them is a muzzle comp. So that not only is it a linear compensator or, you know, that that blast diverter, but you can also put a couple different things on that will even make it more effective. And I think that's awesome. Um, A friend of ours, Nick, has one, and I got to use it, and they are very, very cool. And for the tip and linear comp, it's just a little bit over 50 bucks. Yeah, and on top of that, if you use our coupon code, which is 15% off, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you could... Let's see. So, go back to that. Uh, So, for the linear compensator, it is $37.95. And then for those comp tips, it is $26.95. Yep. So, 15% off of that well i don't really know i was like are we doing like live math okay this is the no no we want to keep our ratings up okay hold Uh, on i can do it right here okay 2015 because no one pays full price on this show and yes so with the discount and everything 55 dollars 16 cents plus shipping not bad I like it. Yeah. And that discount discount code is GUNFUNNY15. And again, that gets you 15% off anything on their website. And that's manicorearms.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. So, Mike, you said or you said you're doing well today. That's good. Um, you uh, you're actually one of our neighbors on the Firearms Radio Network, and uh, you're right down the hall from us. Uh, we see you occasionally, you know, in the coffee room. 
Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Just kidding, but wouldn't that be cool if we that, were all together in the same building? That actually would be pretty awesome. It would. Everybody knows we wouldn't have a coffee room. We'd have a beer and whiskey. Yeah, but. I was trying to keep it PG. Eh, we already cussed a lot on the show, so. Yeah. I would. How about both? Coffee and liquor. I like to mix my Irish coffee. Irish coffee. Yeah. Mexican coffee for Ricardo. <laughs> they do. I don't think it. he likes that. He likes tequila. Yeah, no, tequila and coffie. Oh, they I do that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So uh, you own the Reloading Podcast. Yep. Tell us about that. So I started Reloading probably about 10 years ago. Well, no, probably about almost 15 now. So I'd been doing that for a while and I'd been listening to Gun Guy Radio for a while and also uh, a couple of the other shows on the network. And uh, Jake started looking for somebody to co-host with him. At least that's what he started out looking for. Um, I probably responded after about a month of him looking and came on, did a uh, did a demo, I guess, did a uh, pilot somewhat, even though it wasn't Gun Guy radio episode, and uh, kind of took off from there. And that was a little over four years ago. Dang, it's crazy how time flies, right? Yeah, no kidding. I didn't realize that you were one of the, one of the originals on the network. Uh, one of the earlier ones, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so well, tell us about your podcast. What is it that you cover? I mean, I'm assuming it's reloading, right? Yeah, uh, we kind of cover everything from basics on taking somebody who doesn't have a clue, has never even really heard of the term reloading, to your advanced topics. We have different uh, industry people on uh, from time to time love to have them back on usually or around shot show NRA time you know especially if they're launching stuff but we also just we've had a you know quite a few people on just to answer questions Uh, a couple of the people that have popped on just answer questions is uh chris hodgden and uh robin sharpless who's from redding uh chris hodgden obviously hodgden powder so dang that's uh, pretty cool yeah and then uh, Brian Nixon from uh, 22 uh, Reloader. Nice. So. so I'll be honest, when I first heard of your podcast, I was talking to Sean and I'm like, how much could they actually cover? And for you to, you know, for you to have your podcast for so long, I'm like, how could they, they have to be running out of topics. But I don't reload. I've never, I've never done it. I've only watched it maybe a handful of times. So I guess there is quite a bit to it but here i'm thinking you know it's just the four components and you have you know certain machines and you know it's a done deal um but i guess it can be pretty detailed yeah how, how do you keep it new well a lot of the the industry helps because each one of the manufacturers out there uh they're coming up with whether it's a new caliber to talk about and talk about uh some of the tips and tricks for that caliber or it's new equipment uh, you know everybody's putting out new equipment every year and sometimes multi times in the year so it's talking about how that equipment could benefit or maybe not benefit you as a reloader uh, it's answering questions we constantly get email questions we get questions to our Facebook pages uh, now we're really starting to be on MeWe and uh, gun uh, gun groupie so, I mean, we're getting questions and feedback there from listeners, and we're covering lots of questions. You know, to a point, it's, okay, here's the basics, but 
there's a lot of different things that go into even just simple handgun reloading. Uh, you know, whether you want to just load plinking ammo or, you know, whether you're loading cast, you know, we've got casting that we talk about, which is, you know, pouring your own bullets out of lead. Uh, we talk about uh, swaging from time to time, which is making your own jacketed bullets. You know, there's a lot of different things. We can literally talk about, you know, even, um, you know, how to reuse primers, stuff like that. You know, it's not only current stuff, but, you know, maybe, you know, the crap hits the fan type scenarios, too, on what you can do. Uh, how to make your own brass out of different cartridges, like, you know, making 243 out of 308 or, you know, different things like that. Uh, 9mm out of 223 brass. Um, there's lots of different things in there that you can do that's not just okay resize your case put your primer in put your powder in put your bullet in the the drudgery so and plus we talk about shot shell reloading too which is a whole different spectrum amongst itself so so what got you started into uh reloading deer hunting um i uh had a i had a bad experience with a, a rifle uh, from a certain company that most people have had like so um talking about getting a new rifle at that point in time and when i just when i bought my new rifle i decided that i wanted to make it as accurate as possible and so then i started getting into hand loading i loaded a little bit of shot shell with my dad when i was a teenager but nothing real serious you know we just made up some trap loads that's about it but then getting into it decided i was gonna start loading for my deer rifle and it kind of snowballed from there. Very cool. So reloading is obviously a very complicated topic and a very complex topic. What uh, what was the most complex thing that you think you've ever covered on the show? Probably uh, when we get into, uh, honestly, brass prep is probably the most complex topic. It, you would think that it's pretty easy. You know, you just resize it and away you go but there is all sorts of different things you're looking at with the brass you're inspecting the brass looking for different problems with that and then there's all sorts of different things you can do to the brass from simply trimming it to neck turning to um, reforming it with different sizes to necking it down to different bullet weights and stuff like that uh, the one thing we really haven't gotten into yet that we want to is wildcats mm-hmm um, but that's kind of a really slippery slope. And what is Wildcats? What Wildcats are is they are not factory ammunition. Um, all of your Ackley improved rounds, which are basically um, P.O. Ackley was a, a marksman in the 50s and 60s. And I'm just giving brief history, so I'm sure there's people out there yelling. But uh, what he did is he took existing cartridges and he changed the way the brass was by changing the way the chamber was, basically recutting the chamber a little bit, creating more room in the brass for more powder and making it a faster load without increasing the pressure. And pressure is kind of your big concern with reloading. Too much pressure, you burst the case and can cause catastrophic problems with either blowing up the firearm or blowing yourself up. Well, and that kind of so, actually leads me to my next question, which was a follow-up, which is, 
because it, this can be like a dangerous thing, like how do you guys approach that? And is that danger one of the reasons you haven't uh, broached wildcat rounds yet? That's probably one of the biggest reasons we haven't is because of the danger. Uh, with rifle rounds, I mean, a 308, you're talking pressures up to 60,000 PSI. Hmm. So, uh, you know, and there's other cartridges that are a little hotter than that, but that's just the one that pops it off the top of my head. So you're talking just that thin brass is supposed to contain that pressure. And then your rifle chamber is supposed to contain that pressure. If you put too much powder, too much of the wrong powder in, then you can easily cause that a bigger spike. If you're lucky, you just smash the brass into the extractor and crush the extractor on your bolt. If you're not lucky, it launches the bolt out of the rifle and explodes the whole entire receiver. What's the worst case of reloading that you've seen? That I've seen? Yeah. Uh, I've seen somebody that's missing a couple fingers because they uh, double-charged a pistol case. Wow. <laughs> that kind of sucks. Yeah. That, that I mean, and that's like, that's a simple mistake, like double-charging a case. Um, you know, I could see, especially like on a progressive or something, if you're not paying attention, uh, that that would be fairly, fairly easy. So, I mean, obviously reloading, huge responsibility. Uh, it's definitely something that you need to be serious about, but at the same time, it can be a fun hobby. It's not, we don't try and preach droom and gloom to everything. So, um, but you know, we do make sure that everybody knows that if we talk about a recipe and what a recipe is, is it's the combination of the components to create the cartridge, um, or create the shot shell. And so you're talking about different primers, different brass, different calibers, different bullets, uh, different powder charges, which is the weight or how much charge or how much powder you use. So and powder types. Um, it's not really a simple just go to your local store, grab four different things and throw them together and voila. It's not like baking a cake. Uh, there is definitely some effort that needs to be put into it. And. We make sure that everybody knows. I mean, we have a basic disclaimer in the beginning of the, every podcast, but we also, as we're talking about loads and stuff, we try not to give data, hard data over the air, because we don't want somebody trying, you know, especially if we're talking about a modern, you know, like we'll take a, a 3030 or a 308 or, you know, a 30 odd six cartridges have been around a while. If you take a cartridge, and I take a load that's designed for a modern firearm or something like that, and I'm talking about a high-pressure load, and you put it in something from around the turn of the 1900s, you know, World War One time, it's entirely possible to blow up that rifle. Mm -hmm. Even though, according to all the specs, the theoretically that was a safe load, it's not a safe load for that firearm. So that's kind of one of the things that we just make sure we really hammer. Yeah, totally. Uh, I completely understand that. I mean, that that's actually a scary thing, especially when you're reloading for a lot of that older stuff. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. So one of the things that always comes up uh, in my class is like when we're going over squib loads, and I personally have never experienced one, but would you say that it's true that with reloading am ammo, it's more likely to happen than with factory ammunition? Um. Probably now, yes. Um, 15 years ago, no. Okay. Um, 
one of the things that really has happened in the last 15, 20 years is the ammunition industry has really kind of cleaned up their act and really gotten a little better on quality control. So if I was to take, but if I was to take straight percentages, I would say it's probably higher likely in reloading because most of the people that are loading get interrupted at some point in time and maybe you uh, are busy charging cases, which is the act of pouring powder into into a case that already has a primer in it. And you get, somebody sends you uh, a message or, you know, call or you hear a kid screaming so you stop well you come back and you forget you didn't put powder in that case and you go on to your next case the primer has enough power to usually push that bullet out especially in handguns um and if you're at the range and there's other people shooting you may not hear that pop of the primer you may not know you've lodged a bullet in your barrel you know, a quarter of an inch down past the end of the chamber, you pull the trigger again, you know, or you would tap rack drill because it will, it doesn't have enough, it doesn't have enough power to cycle the action. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, revolvers are pretty common just because, you know, double action or any of your double action pistols is even more common. But, uh, you know, in a single action, you've seen, I've seen them in all sorts of stuff from, Locks to SIGs to you know, everything out there, basically, because you could just do your tap rack drill, you know, like you thought, especially if you're running training ammo in with that regular ammo, it kind of increases that chance that you're going to get a squib. And then what happens is when you pull the trigger on that next round, there's nowhere for that pressure to go. Gotcha. So if somebody wants to get into reloading, what would your advice be? First thing is you need to figure out what your goal is. Uh, is your goal to try and shoot for less money? Is your goal to make better ammo? Um, are you a competitive shooter and you're trying to save money that way? That's kind of your first thought. And then get some manuals, get some reading, and, and get involved with somebody. Get a mentor if you can find somebody locally. Uh, get a hold of us on the podcast. I throw it out all the time. I'm more than happy to do uh, video chats with anybody and try and help up set up equipment. I've done that a few times, um, you know, different things. But don't just dive in by yourself. Uh, manuals are good. Uh, another another source that I recommend is uh, Sonoran Desert Institute has a great program. Their uh, ballistics and reloading certificate program is great. Uh, the material is well written. Uh, you get equipment to go, so that's a, a great thing to do. So, yeah. So, I mean, you and I have talked before about my reloading journey. I, I kind of jumped right into it. I had no mentors. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And you screwed it up. Uh, you no, know, I, I mean, I ended up actually doing okay. Uh, I did buy a Lee Pro One Thousand, and then for some idiotic reason, I saw it on sale, so I bought another one, which is a progressive loader. Now, Mike, can you tell us the difference between a single stage and a progressive? So the main difference is with a single stage, you can only do one action at a time, either resizing or, um, you know, priming the case, seating the bullet. You can only do one of those things at a time, putting the powder in. On a progressive, it has multiple stations, so you can do different things at once. Now, the Pro 1000, I think, is a three spot 
that you can do three different things at a time. But the way the dies are set up, you can uh, do different things. And then with the progressives, you don't have to put the bullets in by hand. You don't have to put the powder in by hand. You don't have to put the primers in by hand. You don't even have to put the brass in by hand. You can get different attachments to put onto these presses. So literally all you have to do is make sure the components stay full and pull the lever every time. Yeah. Drawback to that, if you don't know what you're doing, you can screw things up in a hurry. <laughs> that is the truth. And that was always my problem. I was, I did jump into it like like I do everything else, just both feet, uh, got a progressive loader, got, got different shell cat or um, die caddies and things like that so that I could change stuff up. And then just trying to figure it out all just with by watching YouTube videos and just trying to figure it all out. Um, I did I did eventually get it figured out and the Lee Pro is okay at at best. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it. It definitely did have problems and I actually did end up loading a couple squibs cuz you know, I had inconsistent powder drops on those things pretty much no matter what I did. Uh, so yeah, it is definitely something that you have to pay attention to. Um, but Mike, one of the big things is I wanted to get into it. I wanted to reload. I wanted to reload for competition, which meant that I had to have a pretty huge volume going going through. So, you know, that's what I thought. But what would you say is the most affordable way to get into it? The most affordable is if you can find somebody that's getting out of it and buy their equipment. Uh, there's a lot of used stuff out there. Um, usually you want to have somebody that you can bounce off of to make sure that you're not buying an absolute piece of crap, but most of the stuff that's out there, unless it's an obsolete company that's been out of business for years, if it's a current company, most of the stuff you're going to buy out there, you can get refurbished, repaired, whatever. Um, yeah, but the Leap, the Leap Pro 1000 was kind of a bad unit. I mean, yeah, it take it, both of the Lee progressive presses take a little tinkering to get them up and running. Uh, I've got a Loadmaster. I've got it set. It runs really well. But it does take a little bit of time to get there. Mm -hmm. But the Pro 1000, kind of the biggest problem with that is been getting everything to work at the same time. <laughs> and Lee actually just re, essentially re-engineered the entire thing. So they're launching a new one now. So It but, needed uh, it. But, yeah. So. What would I you say? As as I was going to say, otherwise, as far as affordability for new... Um, RCBS has a kit. Lyman has a kit. Lee has a couple of kits um, that you can get where it's going to have most of the stuff you need uh, other than your components, which components are brass, primers, powder, and bullets. So when you hear somebody talk about components, that's what they're talking about. So so if you can just get some really, really extremely cheap powder, would you say that saving money uh, on powder is a good idea? Not necessarily. <laughs> um, it depends on what the powder is for. If you're loading handgun and you get a heck of a deal on rifle powder, that's not going to do you any good. <laughs> True. So, and just the vice versa. I mean, if you're loading for rifle and you get a great deal on handgun powder, unless it's trail boss and you're loading sub subsonic, it's not going to do you anything good. So, you have to you have to match the powder with the type of ammo you're loading for. Would you say that reloading saves money when you account for cost and time? depending on how much you load. So if you are, you know, a deer hunter and that's all you do, so you just, you know, are loading, you know, say 20 rounds a year and take an awful, awful long time to pay off even the basic setups. Because yeah. 
Uh, unless it's a you know an expensive caliber like anything Weatherby, um, and your uh, three hundred and your thirty caliber magnums. You know, if you it's one of those thirty caliber magnums, be like uh, you know three hundred Win Mag, uh, three thirty eight Lapua, three thirty eight Federal, you know the three fifty eight Win, you know that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then you could make it back real quick. But if you're shooting 30 odd six, 308, 243, 223, uh, it's going to take an awful long time to make that back up. Now, yeah. if you're shooting 223 in competition, or you're shooting 9 millimeter in competition, or, you know, if one of those people still likes to shoot 40 in competition, uh, especially 40, you can make up your savings real quick. Yeah, but that makes, makes sense. More often than not, unless you're buying a Dillon 1050. Uh, you're looking at a season or two to make your money back in for competition shooting. That's not bad. I think, uh, you know, reloading is actually kind of fun. It's one of those things where you do get to go sit down, relax just a little bit and kind of just, uh, you know, do something that's very step oriented, which while you have to pay very careful attention, it's one of those things where you can just kind of shut off your mind and just, very much focus on the tasks that you're doing and not worry about a bunch of other stuff. Would you say that it's a pretty good escape for someone who uh, might be interested? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's a beautiful escape. I just come out in the garage. Um, sometimes I'll fire up music. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll listen to podcasts when I'm doing it. But yeah. it's just, it's very relaxing. And, you know, once you get the the basic knowledge and you know what you're doing, basically, yeah, it's shut down the brain time and it's you know just kind of rolling through the stuff and and relaxing for the most part it's my favorite time to get drunk (laughs) okay (laughs) just kidding never do that yeah the two times you don't want to drink is one when you're shooting or before you're shooting and when you're reloading or before you're reloading okay great (laughs) so you already broke all of those rules i was like don't tell me how to live my life (laughs) But he's not shooting or reloading right now, so he's all good. That's I'm not drinking either. <laughs> Dang it. That must be why I'm not enjoying uh, my coffee. It's not Irish coffee. Mm-hmm. It's not Mexican coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, describe your favorite reloading rig system that you have right now. Um, honestly, I don't have a specific... Uh, probably if I had to really choose, I honestly like my Lee single stage um, just because it's, it's basic and simple and I don't really have to think what I'm doing it. I don't have to pay attention to multiple things. I'm only doing one thing at a time and I don't, you know, it's just that same thing. It's kind of the monotonous thing. Um, I, I have my Lee load master. I have a uh, Hornaday lock and load AP and then I have a Dylan 550. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those are all progressive presses. They're all fun. Um, I also have quite a few shot shell overloaders. Uh, most of them are single stage, quote, quote. Uh, the difference between a single stage shot shell reloader and a single stage metallic cartridge reloader, single stage metallic, literally, there's only one spot to put the brass. With a single stage shot shell reloader, you actually have to move the shot shell around mm-hmm. other places. So theoretically, you could be doing more than one thing at once. Yeah. But, um, so there's still a lot of stuff you got to pay attention to. Whereas so, with, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say with the single stage uh, press for metallic, it's just basic. You know, you're just either you're decapping, 
and resizing brass or you're seeding bullets or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Man, I, I hate the resize. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. For me, it would be like a Dillon 1050 with a gun bot and all that stuff. But what would your dream system be? Mm, I don't know if I'd want the gun bot, though. I don't know if I'd want the auto. Um, yeah, having a 1050 decked out would be nice. But I like pulling the lever. Yeah. And I don't shoot enough where I would get tired doing it. Obviously, you know, if you're a competitive shooter, you're literally loading, you know, tens of thousands and of rounds a year. Heck yeah. Give me a give me a fully automatic 1050 and away we go. <laughs> right. But for me, yeah, a, a non-automated 1050 would be a blast. Very cool. And then my last question for you is if someone does want to get involved in it, like how can they utilize your podcast to do so? Like where would they start? Do you have an episode that kind of goes through the basics and in detail? Uh, just how would they do it? Yeah, we just went through and we're actually uh, kind of in a couple week break here and then we're going to go into shot shell. But uh, we just because we just went back to video because Jim finally got out of Podunk, Pennsylvania, and now he actually has some Internet. We've gone back to video, so we've gone back to Hangouts. And so we went through our starting over series. And the nice things with that is I've got my my podcast recording area is my reloading bench. So as we're going through and doing the podcast and we're explaining different things, I've actually got my webcam out and I'm showing everybody how it's done. So yes. that was that's probably the best thing. Uh, and that started about six weeks ago. Nice. Weeks ago. That's cool. So perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, it I was think shortly after, shortly after the turn of the year, so it was, I can actually tell you which episode in the second year. But uh, so that was that was really a nice experience to be able to go through and actually have that ability to do it on video. Yeah, yeah. T- totally, man. Because as I'm explaining everything, people aren't trying to figure out what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love it. So if someone wants to get involved and start listening to the podcast so they can start reloading, where would they find everything online? Uh, you can find the podcast at firearmsradio.tv slash reloading hyphen podcast. Cool. I love it. We uh, have a page. We've got Facebook and everything else, but you can find all that information from the actual podcast page on Firearms Radio Network. And uh, it's 189. Or no, sorry, 190 is when we started with the uh, kind of going through. Awesome, man. So definitely check them out. Uh, You can find it on iTunes and all the places that popular podcasts are served. Uh, You you got a little bit to stick around with us? Sure. All right. Once again, Mike Iceland, Reloading Podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. And uh, guys, it is time real quick to talk about some of our other friends over at Matador Arms. All right, let's see. What were we going to talk about with Matador Arms? We are going to talk about the Vector Adapters. Yes. These are actually very cool. So if you have a Chris Vector, uh, which I I know lots of people do, uh, they actually make these folding stock adapters, which are pretty awesome. So you could just basically put a normal buffer tube on it and just a normal AR buffer tube or whatever and have a folding stock on your Chris Vector, Mm -hmm. which is pretty dang awesome. Uh, I know they worked with some friends of ours to kind of design this and get it out to market. So it's really, I've been able to see it kind of 
go from its very infancy all the way up to uh, a product put out by Matador Arms and just very cool. So if you have a vector, if you've got an SKS, if you have AR-15s, if you have a 1022, all that stuff, go check them out, matadorarms.com. And you could use the code GUNFUNNY10 for 10% off. And uh, let's get into our prank call, which happens to be sponsored by Matador Arms. It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Thank you for calling Coolers. We apologize, but we are currently experiencing high call volume. Thank you for calling. This is I can help you. Uh, yes, hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So uh, I got a question. My name is Ricardo and my associates and I, we've been using some of your competitors, but I think that I've heard some things in the news that I did not like, but I need to ask you some questions like, uh, will will your coolers allow for the dogs not to smell things inside of the coolers? Um, they are bear resistant. No, man, like dogs, like, uh, like... Yeah, I'm not really for sure about that, sir, but, I mean, it is bear-resistant, so... Let's say that there was a very distinctive smell inside the cooler. Would a dog outside the cooler be able to smell what's inside the cooler? That is a very good question. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> think so, but... It depends on how on how strong that is. Yeah, I mean, it's a very big concern. It could be... Uh, it could be the end of our business, if you know what I'm saying. So I just need to make okay. sure that, uh, can we test one out before? Uh, like, would you, I don't know, do you guys have like a testing facility that you could try something for us? No, sir. Nothing like that. All right. Well, I mean, what kind of, what's your strongest cooler that, that would hold the smell and keep the smell from the dogs? Um, I mean, any of our rodent molded coolers, but I mean, it's not a guarantee. And how many kilos do those hold? Uh, pounds, I mean. It did- <laughs> it depends on how how big you want the cooler. What's your biggest one? Um, the biggest one that we have that we make is a 145, and that one holds up to 155 pounds of ice. All right. Now, let me ask you this. Have you guys uh, – so there's no smell testing that's done, so we don't know if the dogs will be able to smell what's in the cooler. Yes, sir. Our coolers are not dog tested. Hmm. All right, well, I think I'm going to have to stick with Yeti then because there's our, and, okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, <laughs> sir. Have a wonderful day. You too. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, Ricardo. <laughs> I like it when he slipped and said, how many kilos? <laughs> I mean, pounds. Uh, yeah, some more great customer service from the industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a feeling that she was at one point just like, what? I don't know if she ever caught on, actually. I don't know. I thought I thought when he slipped and said kilos that it was pretty obvious. Anyway, uh, the mystery remains, guys. We will we'll continue to dig deep and try to figure out uh, if that actually is something that, that coolers can do. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll fill in with coffee and see if the dogs can smell Okay, it. yeah. <laughs> okay, my bad. Great. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. All right, so we do have a product that Ava recently got in that we're going to talk about. And Ava, what is it? It is called the Gun Box, and essentially, it's a it's a like a, a storage, a gun uh, 
storage device that you can move anywhere. It's not connected to anything. Um, it holds two guns and it has a bunch of different uh, types of like entry. For example, you could use your fingerprint, uh, biometrics, keypad, or the RFID. And I've been fooling around with it for the past couple days. And so far I've not had any issues with it, which this will be the first time that I've ever actually messed with anything that was biometrics. And I've always been skeptical of that because um, it's like, you know, I always think like, well, what if I'm cooking and I burn my finger or <laughs> what if I'm in the shower and my fingers get pruny and then I have to access the, you know, the safe really quickly. So that's always kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I'm still going to do different experiments where, you know, maybe I rub my finger in something. I don't know. Dirt. How about acid? Uh, and yeah, no. Or maybe I'll wash my hands forever, which happens pretty often because I'm OCD. But uh, yeah, we'll see if that works. And then... Um, it does have the option. So if you're worried about it, you know, being, uh, if somebody just picks it up and takes off with it, they do give you the option to bolt it down to something, or you can buy like a tether cable and attach it through the box and then through something like your bed frame. Uh, it has a built-in alarm so that if somebody moves or tampers with it, it will sound the alarm and you'll also get notified on your phone also has a app that uh so if you want to prevent or grant access to somebody or look at the history logs so if you that's try that's pretty cool yeah so if you like try to you know let's say you know my code and i, I suspect I that i suspect that you're getting into my box then uh <laughs> then you know i could look at that history log and find out how you doing <laughs> yeah um trying to think what else does it have it has a really nice uh, modern look to it yeah they're, they're really they really are sleek and they do use that word all over their website so they know it and we know it so no one's getting fooled here but i will say this so wait a second so you can do fingerprint mm -hmm. you can do like a rfid card yep it comes with a keychain as well as like a credit card shaped card so i, I just put it in my wallet and just wave it over mm -hmm. uh and then also code so i could just type in like a pin yeah, and you don't, I mean, you could set it up, you could set all three of them up, or you could just set up one. I set up all three, and I just, every time I go by it, I've just been doing it, you know, differently. Either use my fingerprint or put in the code, haven't had any issues. So I'm impressed with it on that aspect. There are a few cons that we came up with. So there's no manual entry via key and lock. Although if the system happens to fail, there's a way to get access, but it's not quick. So that's kind of a, you know, but I will say, um, well, they haven't had any issues with it not accessing, but again, it always makes me skeptical. Um, and then another downfall is the box needs to be charged every six to eight weeks. So I'm like, okay, well, who's going to remember that? The good news though is a noise or like a sound will alarm once the charge is low. So it'll remind you to charge that box. So it's not like you have to constantly set a reminder on your phone and, you know, or if you don't want to, you know, constantly charge it, you could always just keep it plugged into the outlet at all times. Mm -hmm. So lots of pros and cons, but, you know, that's like with any, any storage device out there. Yeah. Yeah. It has cool features. It does look good. I'm slightly concerned that it doesn't have a key because even with the manual method that you get in there, that means that that's, um, 
you know, whatever. But that's like a small disappointment. I think everything's pretty great about it. I really like the way it looks. I like how quickly it opens. That's a great thing. They do. Um, they actually they released this video where they they uh, use their competitors and uh, very similar devices, and they timed it to see who's you know. And every time the gun box actually opened up much quicker than than its competitors. So uh, so that was kind of cool. Uh, they did give us a code if anyone is interested, and it is Elite Fifteen, and that will get you fifteen percent off. There's um, I think there's three different. There's three different styles today. Yeah, they've got like uh, the GB Plus, the Echo Plus, and the SK1. And one of them's a rifle case. Yeah, the SK1 is, yeah, that, I that's believe. pretty awesome. So, uh, and then they're, they are kind of pricey, but I think really nowadays anything, any sort of storage device. Yeah. Is uh, kind of looks like they've got bracelets too, RFID wristbands. Those are yeah, you cool. could actually, there's also, uh, you could wear a ring. Oh, RFID sticker labels. So you could put it on your phone, just wave your phone over it or something. Mm-hmm. Or the ring or the bracelet. So a lot of cool uh, accessories that, that you could buy as an add-on. Have you seen these, Mike? Uh, I've seen a little bit. Uh, I haven't really looked into them because I've got stuff right now that I use for mobile storage and home storage. But uh, looks yeah. like definitely a good option. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that they've tested the biometrics and not had any issues so yeah we i mean they swear by their products but again we're like okay well we'll test it we've only had it for a few days so that's not really substantial enough to be like oh yeah this you know zero issues but so far we have not had any issues uh as far as long term we'll find out maybe we'll do a follow-up um and talk about it in a future show but so far i'm pretty happy with it if you guys are interested in getting one you could go to thegunbox.com and like I said, use that code ELITE15 for 15% off. All right. Very cool. Hey, uh, let's read some reviews. All right. So, Lacey, go ahead and read those. Lacey? Huh? Oh, oh Lacey's not here. she's not here. here. Oh, I didn't God. even realize. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, Dang It's that. hot in here. <laughs> I was like, that was so rude. <laughs> All right. Well, Lacey's not here. So uh, next person on the low totem pole, you know, uh, Sean, take it away. You realize that I'm the president of the network. Right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Dramatic. Huff Gunworks, five stars. Excellent to listen to. Great show with awesome Second Amendment supporting people. Definitely worth the listen. Awesome group with awesome guests. Give them a like and listen. Aw, thanks. Yeah, thank you, Huff Gunworks. Um, Moyer Sand, five stars, great gun podcast. Funny stuff, good information, and not too long. Good listening. Wait, if if you liked it, wouldn't you want more? Mm, I mean, you know, it's the millennials. They kind of, they shut off after, you know, a few minutes, really. All right. That's that's fair. That's who we're trying to aim towards, right? The millennials? I don't know <laughs> Just kidding. Point. Just kidding. <laughs> go eat a Tide Pod. <laughs> uh, and then go explore five stars. These guys are a hoot. Who says you've got to be a stuffy camp-wearing grump if you own guns and support the Second Amendment? These guys are a hoot and a ton of fun to listen to. What the hell is a camp-wearing grump? Mm, I kind of think it's like, you know, those those typical... Mm, like outdoorsy, what egotistical camp dash wearing? What does that mean? Camp wearing, like I know uh, what a grump is. 
I, I believe the more common term would be FUD. <laughs> okay, yeah, I agree with that. I just, yeah, I never know. I, I, I'm like, can you wear a camp, like an entire camp? I know some people that can. Yeah. But, like, Aaron Krieger, he, he can wear a camp. Oh, please, I was totally thinking of you. <laughs> Whatever, shut up. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much to the people that left us reviews. Go find us in iTunes or Facebook. Leave us reviews there. Uh, like I always like to say, it sticks it to the man. They don't want you to see gun content. So when you leave a review, it helps other people find good con- gun content as well. So go check Absolutely. that out. Do that. And we hope to see a review and get to read it on the show. All right, guys. So uh, let's wrap up. You can find us at gunfunny.com, and um, we have all the popular links to our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Do we have the unpopular links? Twitter. No. No, we don't, actually. Just Mm. only the popular ones. MySpace? And if you can't get enough of us, we now have a Patreon. So what that includes is uh, with any pledge of Patreon, you get access to our Facebook page. And what's going on on our Facebook page? Today, actually, we just did a raffle for our monthly giveaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had so much stuff that we did, actually, three giveaways instead of our typical one. And uh, yeah. If you want to see lots of live video of Ava spitting water all over my office or our office. Um, <laughs> That's because you made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing is I made you laugh and you spit water. But then you were like, oh, we need to record that. <laughs> So then I spit water again. <laughs> yeah, except the second time she really went all out. And all out. It was even all over my clothes. The wall. The computer. The desk. The. It was from the windows to the, to the wall. walls. No, don't finish that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, become a Patreon. And uh, we've got two cool things that, uh, that our Patreon group has that pretty much no one else that I know does. We've got tw- where the $25 a month Patreons, we read their name on the show. And that is Corbin Bonafide, mm-hmm. who's been with us for a while now. We greatly appreciate you. And one of our uh, newest patrons uh, is... Can, can I say his name? Yeah, go for it. It's Adam Balthazar. And where is he from? Charger Arms. Okay, cool. Right on, right on. Right. And, uh, you know, we actually just got a new Patreon. You don't even know about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Mike Iceland from the Reloading Podcast just oh, signed up. Oh, my goodness, Mike. It's so nice to have you. Uh, so if you so now all Mike has to do is go find Gun Funny patrons on uh, Facebook and apply <laughs> to the group, and then we'll approve it, and he can be part of the shenanigans as well. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. So yeah, <laughs> Mike's like, oh, okay. Well, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got another thing where the king of the patreons, which means the person who contributes the most to the show on Patreon every single month. Uh, they get to have a little nice little ad read. So if you're a company or an individual who just wants us to stay say stupid things, become king of the Patreons. Right now, it's Cooper Custom Kydex, and what he wanted us to say was? Uh, he wants us to say, always affordable options, always quality made. He's talking about the holsters. I, I assume so. I didn't assume he meant us because you're falling apart. And he gave everyone a coupon code for mm-hmm. 15% off mm-hmm. because, again, our you know, our listeners, they don't pay full price. It is Gun Funny 2018. Yep. All that Cooper Custom Kydex. Thanks to the King of the Patreons and all of our other Patreons. Uh, you guys make it all worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, I guess the last thing we have to do is thank Mike one more time. Reloading Podcast, firearmsradio.tv. Just find the Reloading Podcast there. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me on. And Avo, anything else? Is no, that it? Nope. 
Is that we're That's done? That's absolutely it. We get to go drink now. Mike actually did just sign up to become a Patreon. I, I this told is you. awesome. Let's sucker all of our guests into becoming <laughs> Patreons. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. That was a smart move, Sean. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.